I mean, even though I'm, I'm half American, half Italian, I will say the Italian part of my heritage has taken over a lot of my identity. That was Marcia Gagliardi of Table Hopper and My Milligram. I'm Jeff, and this is Storied San Francisco. Before we dig into this episode, I want to pause a moment in honor of Taylor Nichols, a guest of our show who passed away last week. Please take a moment to go back and listen to Taylor's episodes with us. You'll hear a fifth-generation San Franciscan confess her love of North Beach, share her story of getting started as a tattooer, and talk about her ray of hope for this city. Thanks. In this podcast, Marcia starts off with her impressive ancestry and deep Italian roots. She grew up on the peninsula and has stories of coming to the city as a teenager to arrange restaurant deals for her high school classmates back home. She ends this podcast with her year in Venice during college. Here's Marcia. My mom's mom, incredible woman, my grandmother is still alive. She is in San Mateo and um, she's a force. She raised three girls on her own. Uh, She divorced uh, and drove the girls out from Michigan in her convertible Cadillac, because, you know, Detroit. Um, Yes. But (laughs) ended up... um, It's like an alternate plot to Thelma and Louise. Completely, but with the kids. Yeah, badass, totally. Uh, And originally landed in South Lake Tahoe, and she was working in one of the casinos as a cocktail waitress. And um, and then eventually just kept making their way. Well, she also there was you know some family in Sacramento, so that mm. was part of the pool of coming to okay. uh, back to California. And so um, and then my dad, uh, he's so I'm first generation on my dad's side. He is from Calabria, which oh, is wow, in yeah. southern Italy, in the uh, the peppers. toe of the boot. The exactly, bravo, the pepperoncini. Yes. Um, so he came to the states when he was 14. Um, so it was post-World War II, except Southern Italy was just destroyed and like, there was like nothing. And, um, where did he go? So, um, well they, yeah, they, they ended up, well, so there were, there was his, um, uncle and, um, aunt who came out first and, um, yeah, it was pretty incredible because my grandmother actually had American citizenship but grew up in Southern Italy. So we have, mm. we have relatives in Colorado, but then they ended up going back to Italy. Hmm. And um, so she grew up there, but then came to California. And then um, they were here. My grandparents, you know, gosh, it was like, they went back to Italy two or three months before I was born. Okay. My grandfather, he'd had it. He was just missed Italy. And that's the thing, like when you are born in Italy is just this deeply embedded part of your entire existence that, you know, and I see my dad pine for Italy in the same way. He always has to go back and check in and like, it's, it's like, it's his touchstone. And so if Mm -hmm. too much time goes by where he hasn't been to see the family, um, he, he gets antsy, but, um, so yeah. your grandparents went back, but they your dad, back. your dad, my dad stayed. stayed with his. Because um, at that point he was married, and his brother. To your mom. Yep. 
And my brother, uh, my uncle Frank, my dad's brother, he was also married. And my cousin David was just born. We were like three three months apart. So it was, it, I always felt really bad for my grandmother particularly. Mm. Because here are, you know, her sons, their sons having kids. And just because of my grandfather's desire to go back to Italy, you know... We, we, we talk about it as a family like what if Rose had stood up to him and just was like mm. you know what did you call her Nana? <laughs> um, Nana. she was um, let's see what, uh, she was always grandma just because she spoke oh. she, she spoke English oh okay um, when I'm in Italy I would call her Nana but yeah, um, yeah. so she um, oh my god such a force She's my fellow Scorpio grandma so we oh, yeah she she's so funny she had a couple sayings where like um <laughs> she did Scorpios uh, we die standing <laughs> alright yeah I mean it's like anyone who again you know in southern Italy during the war to be raising these boys and there's like they she was on a farm um, and you know they it was incredible like they pressed their own olive oil right. and there was the small village you know wooden and stone uh, oven that they would bake bread. I'll take turns baking bread out of for the week. And, and they weren't doing it to get in Food and Wine magazine. That's okay. just what people did, right? <laughs> Pretty it's much. Just what you do. Yeah, you had to work so hard to just eat. And by now we look back and we're like, that's fucking amazing. Mm-hmm. And it it is by all means. I don't want to take anything away, but it's like they yeah. weren't doing it like to do. They, they, it's just a life. It was yeah. I mean it was. I mean think about what you would have to go through to just be able to make bread. Mm-hmm. and growing wheat mm-hmm. and grinding it and you know like it just and then the, even making a fire for for the oven and harvesting olives i've seen mm-hmm. uh what is it uh Simi Nosrat's documentary oh yes where they harvest Salt the olives olive. with the, the nets out yep. in the oh my totally. god yep. it was like and then all those olives make like this much olive oil pretty much <laughs> yeah like, wow yeah, my dad remembers walking the cow around in a circle because they had a huge, you know, stone or it was it was probably granite. I doubt it was marble. Um, but this huge stone to press the olives, right. the front toil. Right. Yeah, amazing. Um, and it's, I mean, even though I'm I'm half American, half Italian, I will say the Italian part of my heritage has taken over a lot of my identity. She's um, actually very uh, wildly hand gesturing while saying this. I'm just just for the record. <laughs> over a few glasses um but it's it's interesting when you have a place that you can go to that you're like wow like my family comes from here and to have been to be able to go to the farm where my dad was born and grew up and um to see the yeah to see the oven that they cooked out of and like him telling all the stories of you know where he would play and the garden and taking me into the the cellar of the old house and like and just seeing the the herbs and so there's that which is really powerful and um deeply emotional and such a gift mm-hmm. i mean uh but then also that year that i lived in italy uh in school and i remember going to southern italy for christmas 
to be with the relatives. And right. it was incredible to sit at this table with, oh my God, my uncle Colino and my, and his wife, Olympia, they, I mean, these people cook mm-hmm. and they had a whole like downstairs kitchen with a whole second oven. Oh and I mean, God. they were just insane and let alone their cantina with all their house made wine and yeah. all the meats and everything. So Christmas dinner, Christmas Eve dinner, um, which is the feast of the seven fishes, um, the, they call it the Vigilia, uh, the Vigil. It's, uh, it's a huge fandango. But what was amazing was in the middle of like these 35 relatives was this experience of seeing these dishes that we've been making at our family's annual feast for years. Back home. Yes. Right. And I said to them, I was like, just so you know, we've kept these traditions alive. Like these are the same clams that we make. This is the same anchovy breadcrumb pasta that we make, you know. Oh my God! Yeah, that Pretty pasta, hungry, that pasta, sorry. that pasta. I know. I have this effect on people. <laughs> Got to pause. And yeah, I know. Have a four-course so, dinner. <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, let's let's have the antipasto course during our interview sure. here. Um, I know that would be the Italian way. I'm like, are you hungry? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that I remember that was a real poignant moment of coming full circle in my life and growing up. Maybe making you appreciate your dad keeping those traditions right completely yeah completely and why you don't mess with them like right (laughs) it's like no there's there's a through line here and it's like you know you can riff a little bit on some recipes but some things you need to keep the integrity of them which italians are very good at it's like don't mess with a matriciana cacio pepe carbonara like they're like if i see you coming at it with some pancetta or cream like (laughs) it's not a carbonara anymore so (laughs) you can make your own version of it but don't call it a carbonara right so I think, you know, Italians, from a traditional standpoint, it's such a big part of their cuisine. We'll get yeah. back to this later, yeah. but I'm, I'm just hearing just how imbued Italian yeah. heritage is in your life. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm guessing that might have had something to do with... <laughs> something we'll talk about later. Yeah, yeah. But, um, I mean, it's, so it's interesting. When we, when we were living in Mariposa, um, my family opened a pizzeria and a delicatessen yes. up there and so it was a Goliardi pizzeria and delicatessen the only one in town maybe or uh, definitely yeah. of that. I mean there were a couple pizzerias but you know nothing certainly on a deli standpoint like my dad had all these imported meats and Italian wines and he was making house-made sausage and uh but sadly Mariposa like they just really wanted roast beef yeah. for the most part but carb, under a heat lamp yeah god Which, yeah you know, yeah it's actually not bad just different yeah yeah <laughs> so yeah he um you know has just been and he's just always making things at home with he does his own salumi still yep mm-hmm. uh, oh yeah he just was showing off his latest upgrade to the meat locker in the garage like oh, <laughs> yeah he makes incredible sausage oh my god like when it's yeah. christmas we're always like yes um and then yeah he's done his own wine uh his own olives he built his pizza oven in the back like it's he's my hero it's a <laughs> carmen has a whole thing going on well and, um can we talk real, real quickly what yeah. What was it about Mariposa slash getting out of San Mateo? Do you know for, for your parents? Well, specifically, I mean, you know, it certainly ties in for my dad with um, wanting to get back to the country. Right. And um, it, it all really was precipitated by this. He built this wood fence at, on our house. We were living in Foster City at the time. Okay. And he built this big wood fence and... Uh, 
the neighbors came after him that it was like too tall and mm-hmm. not fitting with the neighborhood. You know, it was there wasn't really an association, but it was they were basically coming for him, and um, <laughs> they forced him to cut down half the fence in the front. And I know that just that that stuck in his craw, mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, yeah, I know that was like a turning point where he was just like, I can't with this straw that broke. Camel's Pretty back. much, yeah. and uh, and then I think wanting, yeah, as kids to like, let us get closer to nature, and um, so and my mom, I mean, it's amazing. She was a nurse and um, was able to find work up there, and so here's my dad, you know, opening the deli. Oh, and they bought like sixty nine acres of oh. of land. So the idea was that his buddy, who was Mike Danielli, who was an architect, was gonna build us this house, and it was gonna be solar. Which was amazing. Okay. Um, like yeah, in the seventies. This was um. Let's see. I was in, I was in third grade, and so at that point I would have been. So this was like nineteen eighty. Okay. And um, yeah. So Mike was gonna build us this house. My dad got this huge caterpillar, and like we'd be out on the property on the weekends, and but then sadly, you know, with the deli, it just wasn't making enough money. Um, and as a business, it wasn't working, and um. Eventually, my parents had to give up the dream, and then we moved back to San Mateo. Okay. Um, so I moved back here. Yeah, I started sixth grade. Um, and then all through sixth through high school? Yep. Back yep, in San Mateo? Yep. And it's kind of funny. My mom, she went to Aragon High School. Uh, she was the first graduating class. Um, and so then I went, and I had some of the same teachers. <laughs> be like, do you? Wow. I was like, yeah. I was just ask people if they remembered my mom. A couple of them did. Right. My, my favorite English teacher, who's actually a big reason why I became an English major, he was Mr. Fisher then, but then he became Dr. Fisher. Yes. And um, yeah, yeah, it's, it's kind of, it was fun to be able to go back and I even tracked a few down after I graduated uh, from, from college just to thank them. And then even again, whenever there's some like local press written about me, my name will pop up and there was someone from Aragon who reached out and they're like, this is so great seeing what Marcy is doing and... Uh, so that's kind of a fun part of being local. Um, cool. Yeah, you still get get tracked. Do you happen to remember? I'm guessing you must have come to the city before your time in UCLA. Do you remember? Oh, your, do you yeah. remember your first San Francisco <sighs> memories? Well, we came to the city a lot. Um, okay. Certainly, that we'd have a family like weekend excursion where we'd come up and like we'd go to Union Square. And one thing I always remember about those trips is that. Um, my dad would always always buy us flowers, you know, those little mm. floral stands. So my mom would get a gardenia, and my sister and I would get, I don't know if we'd get carnations or something, but yeah, we'd, we'd always get, he'd always take care of his girls, we'd get flowers. Um, and I had, we have a family friend, Charlene, who loved the city, and she brought me up a few times, and she showed me a different side of the city. Okay. Uh, so, like, she brought me to Gump's back when it was, you know, just in this extraordinary location. And, you know, made sure that I understood the details about the space. And I remember she brought me to this crazy wig shop. Um, <laughs> yes. So, and then we had uh, we had a relative uh, on my step-grandfather's side. He was Italian. So my grandmother, after living here in, uh, in San Mateo, she did remarry. The one who drove out with her three exactly. daughters. Exactly. Okay. Ernie okay. Lena. And um, so, yeah, he, his family lived in the city, so sometimes we'd visit them. Mm-hmm. They had 
I, I think Lee might have had some plastic on the couches. It was like yes. that kind of Italian. Yes. Um, and yeah, it was always a magical time. But like, I remember, you're going to laugh. This is so funny. I just <laughs> uncovered this recently. I've been purging my apartment and um, finding all these old clippings. And so when I was in high school, uh, I wrote for our paper, Terrible name, the aristocrat. Oh, <laughs> okay. Aragon aristocrat. Um, and I had this. I, I had a friend. My she's we're actually still very close. She was my best friend and still is in my life. Uh, Catherine. We okay. So she was one of the girls who got really lucky and got a car when she was, I guess, fifteen and a half. She was that friend. She was that friend. Yeah. She had her little golf, and um, I was nice. a very good navigator, and I was always like, let's go to the city. Let's go to the city. Let's go to the city. So I would come up with an itinerary and I would drive, I would navigate. She would drive. Our parents, you know, we were pretty responsible girls. So they'd let us go up. And um, eventually I had this idea that I was like, okay, this is so incredible that we can drive to the city and have these experiences. And I want other, you know, students to, to know where to go. And so we came up with this idea and it's so crazy because it's like, it was, was I just destined to write about where to go? I think I was. So our column we launched was called Doggy Bag. <laughs> Not kidding. Yes. And, and we, um, so we would go through the phone book and look up all these businesses. And then we, cre- we created business cards. So I found one of the business cards. Awesome. And we would approach like cafes and bookstores and we were trying to get discounts for Aragon mm. students, if they would show an ID, you know, their student ID, could they get a discount Brilliant. at your at your cafe? And it was just ridiculous. But I was so obsessed with directions. Like half of the columns were like giving people directions because it was pre-Google, you know? Yeah, like, it was a big thing. Yeah, it's like, okay, you're going to take a right here. And, you know, anyway, I just laugh when I look. I'm like, okay, somebody was navigating. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, so we would, you know, try to find the, where to go for pizza in the marina and... To be totally honest, I was so boy crazy. So, I, like, when it was Fleet Week, I, uh, yeah. I was always like, can we go to North Beach? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I want to go gawk at sailors. Um, and how many of those stories can we share? <laughs> I know, I know. Parents don't even know about those. Because, um, like, in North Beach, you could go to the Savoy Tivoli, mm-hmm. and they, they would serve you. Oh, underage? Yeah. Okay, nice. It was great. I mean, you'd have to be cool, you know, like, act like you know what you're doing. Right. But, um, and then my first beer in the city was at Zeitgeist. Yes. Um, yeah, I managed to have a drink there. Can you get roughly a year? I was like, let me think. Maybe I was like 18, 19. So, I mean, that would have been. Later 80s? Yeah. Pre-earthquake. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It would have been like around 88 or something like that. Um, and then... Oh, another one, the Lions Pub, mm-hmm. which is uh, Deviz and I guess it's Sacramento. Uh, it was a gay bar, mm-hmm. and um, I remember drinking there. I was probably like twenty at okay. that point. I had a couple girlfriends. We could like dress up in our vintage clothes and look kind of like you know. We were like it was a little mod, so yeah. we could get away with looking a little older, not quite like teeny bopper. Nice. <laughs> but yeah, um, so I was always, I was trying to come to the city as much as possible. I loved it. And, yeah. Um, from, romanticized it. Yeah. From a very early age, like coming up with family totally. and then eventually coming up with friends. Yeah. 
Yeah. Nice. Yeah. So it was. And close. I mean, but also like writing about it. It was so random. I need Which to do. Not... I need to republish some of these doggy bag yeah, calls. Yeah, I think my readers will crack up. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. I love it, and and I'm seeing like threads. That, yeah. That I mean, it just makes sense. Yeah. Um. So, uh, do you want to share any other high school memories before we uh, go down south for a yeah. minute? Yeah. Um. You know, I'm grateful that I grew up in San Mateo in that it was a real safe place to, you know, just be able to, like, run around a bit. Downtown San Mateo was really cool. I loved vintage shopping. Loved it. So I was friends with all the ladies at the, like, St. Vincent de Paul and all of the, you know, resale shops and... Um, I'm going to go on record. I still like San Mateo. Oh, yeah. It's not the worst. No, it's not. It really isn't. And like, I don't know. I was at a young age kind of into architecture. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, there's some, there were some really cool pieces in downtown San Mateo. Mm -hmm. Um, oh, and interestingly, oh, another bar I went to underage, um, was the B, which was like one of the early gay bars in the peninsula. Okay. Um, it's gone now, but it was on B Street. And yeah, I remember going in there underage too. Nice. <laughs> um, and then, you know, yeah, there were some cool pubs. And I mean, I, I liked the intersection of Japanese culture in San Mateo. I thought that I had exposure to Japanese food at a younger age because of it, which was really cool. Um, and yeah, and you've got like the old school Italian you know, and I just, yeah, it was a, it was a, it was a good place. I don't speak ill of it. Um, weather was great. I'm just so lucky. My parents, um, they created, they have always created the most loving, cared for conditions for me and my sister mm-hmm. to have grown up within. And, uh, we always have had a garden. Um, so like my mom is an amazing cook, amazing cook. And yeah, she just always, you know, she would make, she'd make bread for our sandwiches for school. Right on. And we always had to be home for dinner. Mm-hmm. Always had to be home for dinner. Like, even if I had a track meet or a cross country, I like, I was at, as soon as it was done, I had to get home. Mm-hmm. Um, so if I was going to go at someone's house and study or something, I had to have a really good reason. Um, so yeah, they, I mean, it was, it was a tight, being the eldest, um, there were definitely, there were a lot of rules I had to, so, <laughs> had to follow, but then I got, I got super sneaky at the end. Um, <laughs> right. You paved yeah, the way. For you know, yeah. Yeah. No, my sister thanks me. She's like, you kind of cut a white swath. I was like, you know, You're welcome. yeah, here to take the heat. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we lived on the hill. So I, um, I could actually sneak out and put my car in neutral and just like coast down the hill. It was amazing. Brilliant. It was so good. I mean, I, I'm lucky. Like, I never got busted. Oh, shit. Okay. Yeah. That I got is... busted for other things, but <laughs> did not get busted for the sneaking out. So, yeah, never You'll got You'll hear more about me. that on the special episode with Marcia. <laughs> After hours. Yeah. Yeah. After a couple drinks. Do you remember your decision to leave to go to, to, go to college and, you know... Was it intentional to leave or was it like, I, oh, I just yeah. want to go to this school oh, specifically? Oh, well, I mean, my dream was to go to NYU. Okay. Um, I, I wanted to go to NYU. For writing or, or English? English or writing. Okay. Um, back then I was also thinking about communications. Mm-hmm. Um, and so my parents were like, look, your sister is coming up right, like right when you finish school, she's starting. Right. 
So we're not going to be able to afford the East Coast thing unless you can get a scholarship of some sort. But, um, you know, they're like, otherwise you need to plan on UC. So then okay. it was like, okay. And it, you back then you could still kind of get into UC. I mean, right. I was an advanced placement student. I, I loved school. Uh, I was a total, total bookworm and, um, you know, it, but I was a terrible test taker. Like mm. SATs destroyed me. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I ended up getting into UCLA and a big thing actually that was important for me was that there was a study abroad program. Mm-hmm. I knew for sure I was going to want to live in Italy okay. for a year. Okay. And that was part of the plan. And my parents were like, okay, you can do that, but you have to be out of school in four years. Because they know a lot of Still people, if you the... study abroad, they might like have another semester. And right. they're like, you can't let this drag on. Um, and the other plan was they're like, you won't have to work, but you need to get out in time. So that was th- those were the terms. I right. was like, but I did end up, yeah. Um, <laughs> like they started the timer. With yeah, pretty much. Totally. Day, it's tick, 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 tick. Was your dad super stoked that you wanted to and then went to Italy yeah 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 he was really happy and where you know where I was living in this off the beaten path neighborhood um it was really it was so Venetian yeah and yeah talk about I guess what I love the most about the Venetians is that they were so private Hmm. so as an investigative person I loved all the secrets of Venice so there was like the speakeasy that um, wow. they would throw these late night parties. You had to know someone. And it was like, oh, it was such an awesome space. It was like this two level, all wood bar. And probably 17,000. Pretty years much. Old. Yeah, exactly. It's like, yeah. it's for the, you know, <laughs> Napoleon drink here. Right. Um, so, you know, things like that, or like the little back alleys. And, you know, there was this pizzeria that. I remember I brought an Italian to him. I'm like, this is the best pizza I've ever had. And mm-hmm. he's like, what do you know about pizza? I'm yeah. like, just come have this pizza. Tell me what you think. And then he was like, oh, Marzia, ma questa pizza buona. Like, he was like freaking out over this pizza. He's like, I didn't even know this existed here. Like, So that was the thing that I liked about Venice is it would reveal itself um, mm-hmm. if you plummeted the depths and... Did your dad come visit? My parents didn't, um, which is a bummer. I know. It was, that was a hard year in that, uh, yeah, I didn't see my whole family for a year. Right. Um, Some people went home at Christmas, but I was lucky to have relatives, so. That That was your trip to Calabria. Exactly. Yep. And uh, so, yeah, I think it was good to have that year. Um, Right. I, and I I went there, I was, I was 19. So, yeah, I turned 20 living in Italy and, um. It changed a lot, like, as a woman, also, to be under a different kind of male gaze (laughs) Um, versus being American and, like, just some of the awkwardness of how we flirt. And there, like, it was just, it was a whole different dynamic. And suddenly you're like, wow, like... Cat-cally, machismo... I mean, they just look at you. Right. They look, and, like, they, they stare. Right. Italians stare. Yes. And the women stare too. Like they just, they are very nosy people. They <laughs> check you out. Right. Um, so I just say, yeah, just the, the Italian gaze. But um, yeah, it was, uh, I just, I guess I, I really came into my, my womanliness and femininity living there. Um, and also the, uh, I loved the living in a city where you walked. 
Mm-hmm. And especially coming from Los Angeles, mm-hmm. where I was in a car all the time, to suddenly mm-hmm. be walking everywhere, and then you would, and then there were the rituals. Like I would have my my guy that would make my cappuccino, and he would see me coming around the corner, and would just, just know start to start. It. Yeah. And then my I was smoking then, so at the tabacayo he'd see me, and then my galois would be sitting on the counter when I walked in, and he even lectured me too. Like after a while, he's like, "Signorina," he's like. These cigarettes, he's like, you know, they're triple fort. He's like, these yeah. are very strong. Yes, they are. And then he's like, these are man cigarettes. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, these are not man. They were. I should. I should clarify. They weren't like the typical Galois. These were the Galois blondes. Oh yeah, yeah. Um. So, he he managed to convince me to go from the blues down to the reds. Um. But it was a funny thing. Like, <laughs> I was like, am I really having a conversation with my? Tabakayo about what like gender? what what gendered cigarettes I should be smoking, <laughs> yes. but but in a weird way he was looking out for me of you know just not having such high high nicotine. You had a little community of right. Yep. Just, did you ever think about staying? Oh god. I know that would have blown your dad's oh. four year clock. Oh. But oh, and of course I fell madly in love. Madly. Oh. My You're god. young, impressionable. Yeah. It's Italy. I'm like you had to at least think about. It. Oh yeah. No. I I, I will say. In my life, the day I left Italy, and so, it's just so stupid, but it was one of the days I cried the hardest in my life. Right. Um, right. I mean, I've certainly cried more over loss of life in my life, but mm-hmm. there was something that just really cracked my heart open. And part of it was I was madly in love with yeah. Michele Vachaveo. Uh, <laughs> Again, where's he from? <laughs> uh, <laughs> no idea. But... Um, yeah, so that was it was like the whole story, you know, it's like I'm studying literature, I'm madly in love, I'm living in one of the most beautiful places in the world. Like why would I want to to leave? But that was the deal with the parents. Yeah. I had to get my ass home and I had to finish school. That was Marcia Galliardi. On the next episode of Storied San Francisco, Marcia tells us how she started Table Hopper and My Milligram. Part two drops this Thursday. Music for the podcast was produced, performed, and curated by Otis McDonald. Original photography is by Michelle Kilfeather. Aaron Lim of Bitch Talk Podcast is our contributing producer. And the show is produced and hosted by me, Jeff Hunt. Now in our fourth season, we have more than 150 episodes available on our website, storiedsf.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you can, subscribe, rate, and review our show so we can reach even more folks. And if you'd like to drop us an old-fashioned email, we'd love that. The address is storiedsf at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Stay safe, stay strong, stay healthy, and we'll see you next time. is a proud member of the BFF.FM podcast network. Learn more at podcasts.bff.fm. BFF.FM, best frequencies forever.